welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be here tonight. And uh, fair play to you. I don't know if you swam or what to get here. Wow, 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 wow. But we're here. Hallelujah. Is that your testimony? Does it go beyond just the rain today? I don't know how I got here, but I'm here by the glory, by the grace of God. It's his power working through us. It's his favor that he showers on us because we're his children. What a wonderful thing this morning to be a child of God. It's not even the morning time. (laughs) This evening to be a child of God. Do you know what? Can we pray and then let's get into the word. I want to talk about stepping into the new, stepping into the new and trusting the process. But let's pray. Are you ready? Let's do it. Lord Jesus, Lord, we just want, we want to thank you, Lord, for your spirit at work in this place. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Oh, Lord, we, we honor your presence. Before we open your word, we honor you and we honor your presence. And we say thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, for your wonderful love, your grace, your compassion towards us. Lord, all that we have is because of you. All that we are is because of you. You won it all because you paid it all for us on that cross. And now we have a name and more than a name, we have an inheritance. We have a place at your table and we just thank you today, oh God. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to bring out the word that you gave me for your people. Help me get out of the way so that people can hear clearly from you. Holy Spirit, this has to be you. It can't be me. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work through this, this presentation of your word and you would breathe on this exercise, Lord Jesus, so that dead bones can live. Lord, so that so that faith can rise, Lord, so that hope, Lord, can begin to percolate again in the spirits of people who've become discouraged in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You are doing a new thing. Help us to perceive it tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Folks, tonight I want to talk about stepping into the new. Stepping into the new. How many of you know that God's doing a new thing? Amen. He's doing a new thing. Scriptures say in Isaiah 43, um, but God poses a question through Isaiah uh, to the exiles in Babylon. Uh, do you perceive it? Some translations say, see, it springs forth. Do you see it? I want to start by reading that passage tonight. Um, Isaiah 43, verse 18. Remember that not the former things. Um, oh, so, excuse me, I'm going to start from verse 16 here. Uh, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth a mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. I love this translation, but forget all that. (laughs) But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers 
in the dry wasteland. And the message puts it this way. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. Say brand new. Amen. Brand new. It's bursting out. Exclamation mark. I love the energy. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. I love, the reason why I read out of the message tonight is because of all the exclamation marks. God is excited about the new thing that he's doing. I know what I did to the Egyptians in the Red Sea, but forget all that. I'm about to do something new. I'm about to make a path in the desert. I'm about to make streams in the desert or rivers, the message says, in the badlands. I don't like rugby. I don't, I don't like rugby. I don't get rugby. I don't understand. There's a lot of English people right now going, I don't, I don't appreciate that segue, Patrick. <laughs> I don't like it. It's nonsensical. Why can't you pass the ball up the pitch? Why can't you? Why shouldn't you wear pads? Do you not value your life? <laughs> Do you know, so I went for lunch with Pastor Hamp this week, and uh, we were chatting away, and he, was out, he asked me, do you like rugby? I said, I, I don't at all. And he was like, well, I didn't really either, but I'm really excited about the Irish game, Ireland and New Zealand. Uh, I'm excited. And he was telling me all about the Irish team and all the wonderful things that they've been doing through the Rugby World Cup. Is that right? Okay. I said, that sounds great, but I'm not going to be watching it. Not at all. So about three nights ago, I was watching the game. <laughs> I was watching the rugby game, and <laughs> I, I just found myself watching it. And I, I found I, I got involved. I got enthralled uh, with the sort of you know this this kind of the, the Irish that doing it, and then the the, the, the I was going to say the Norwegians, the, the New Zealanders, or South Africans, whoever doing it, and all the rest of it. And you know, something occurred to me: a match will have a lot of highlights, amen? A lot of high moments. But victory is not about moments or a moment. No one highlight will give you a victory. It occurs to me in a match, even if, if, if something goes really well and you score, is it a touchdown or a try or what? Okay. Even if you score, there's still minutes on the clock, Right? You still have to play out the game, the minutes, in order to win. You see, victory, it's not so much about a singular event, but it's about moments. A match has to be a a big moment, a highlight, but victory is about the moments between moments. It's got to be that way, right? Doesn't it? So today I want to talk about stepping into victory. I want to talk about stepping into the new because God is doing something new and God wants us to forget the past in order to receive what he has coming. I don't know if you know it, but you might, you, maybe you're in a position today where you're, you can't, you're not sure what God is going to do next. Well, I think today is going to help you. God wants to deal with our relationship with the past in order for us to see the future and what he wants to bring us into a little bit more clearly. Amen? You know, if you're going to step into victory tonight, 
you have to do two things. The first thing you have to do is put down the past. And the second thing you have to do is embrace the process. And these are the two things we're going to look at tonight by the grace of God. Amen. Okay, so from verse 16 through 18 in Isaiah, God does something amazing. Just for some context, God is speaking to the, uh, um, to the Israelites who have now been in Babylon for more than a season. Read Psalm 137. Read about some of what they were going through as they hung up their harps on the poplars and they couldn't sing, although the Babylonians taunted them for looking for a song um, uh, 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 from Jerusalem. They couldn't sing one. And so they're in a position uh, in exile, and they're wondering what God is going to do. God, how are you going to bring me out? And they're looking back to the exodus. They're looking back to how God did it when he brought them out of Egypt. And the Bible says in verse 18, God says, forget about how I did it before. Forget about the past. Put it down. Forget all of that. It's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. And again, the message, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. The first point I want to make tonight is this. We need to stop looking for the, oh, sorry, we have to stop looking for the old in the new. Okay? We have to let go of the glory days. Uh-oh. We have to let go of the glory days. If we're going to step beyond what is familiar, we will have to get used to the discomforts of faith. We will have to go beyond the glory days. Uh, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 10, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Do not long for the good old days. This is not wise. You know, Job, Job had a longing at one point in his life for the good old days. Let me just read it to you quickly. I wasn't sure if I was going to add it, but I feel prompted to. Job, in the middle of a difficult season, unable to see the future, he says, I long for the years, Job 29, verse 2, I long for the years gone by when God took care of me, when he lit up the way before me, and I walked safely through the darkness, when I was in my prime. God's friendship was felt in my home. The Almighty was still with me, and my children were around me. My steps were washed with cream. And the rocks gushed with olive oil for me. Verse 7, those were the days. Ecclesiastes 7.10, do not ask where are the good old days. It's not wise to speak that way. You know, we're going to be jumping around the scriptures a little bit tonight. I hope you don't mind. Is that all right? Buckle up. Bible says in 2 Kings 18 verse 4, that Hezekiah, one of his reforms when he took the throne in Israel, 
was to break the bronze serpent that the children of Israel had been worshipping. The bronze serpent, you can read about it in Numbers chapter 21. The Bible says when the Israelites were in the desert, uh, they grumbled looking for meat. God sent them quail and uh, what ended up happening was snakes bit them and Moses had to erect a bronze serpent. They looked on the serpent and those who were bitten lived. 800 years later, Hezekiah has to break the serpent into pieces because the Israelites had begun to worship it. They even gave it a name. The name was Nehushtan. And folks, tonight, I want us to look at that bronze serpent as a type of a high point, spiritual high point, or a spiritual moment. In other words, they had begun to memorialize a spiritual high point, a spiritual moment, an event. Folks, we have got to be careful. We can run the risk of memorializing and, and holding up and worshiping events and moments in the past. That's exactly what the Israelites were doing to the Exodus. They were holding it up as a moment, as a high point. Do you know anything about that? Do you know anything about that? You see, when you're in a position, when you can't see what's in front of you, the natural thing that we begin to do is look to how God began to work in the past. We begin to lift up high points. Oh God, I remember back when I used to pray and the heavens were opened and your presence would wash into my bedroom. Now I pray and nothing happens. God, I used to evangelize and, and share the gospel with everybody I saw, every cashier and every store clerk. Now I can barely even tell myself to read my Bible. And we begin to memorialize high points. We begin to do that. And we do it for a reason. The reason why we do it is because we want God to be predictable. We need him to be predictable. There's a comfort in predictability, folks, tonight. There's a comfort in it. And so the miraculous altars and breakthroughs, the extraordinary moments where you had no doubt that God was with you and that his power and favor were towards you. In other words, the glory days, we'd start to lift them up as high points, as comforts. But the problem, folks, is this. God isn't going to be tied to a method. God isn't going to be tied to an event or a particular period of time. God isn't going to be tied to a pattern, even though that pattern would make him predictable. He's not going to be tied to that sort of pattern. We've got to be careful about what we memorialize because God will not be made predictable by the patterns we try and tie him to. If we can't predict his methods, how he's going to do it, in the end, we don't trust him and we don't move forward. Do you know what I'm talking about tonight? Yeah, you're seeing it tonight. Job spoke about his former blessings. He held up and tried to memorialize those things for comfort, but he wasn't moving forward. Let me ask you a question. Women tonight, do your husbands surprise you? Do they ever surprise you? Yeah, Sharina's nodding. Michael's waving. Sharina's nodding. I love it. Do you know there's a good type of surprise and a bad type of surprise? 
Yeah, do you know that tonight? So some husbands surprise their wives by doing the dishes. Surprise, I did the dishes. Some husbands surprise their wives by getting them flowers. So there's good surprises and there's bad surprises. Sometimes predictability can be boring. Sometimes when, you, uh, when, when uh, the romance dies in a relationship or in a marriage, it just gets predictable and it just gets boring. But at least with predictability, you know what you have, whether it's good or it's bad. But folks, I want to tell you tonight that God gives the good kind of surprises. God gives the good surprises. We can put down the past because God is the good kind of unpredictable. Amen. That's what he is tonight. It's a good surprise. And so the text says that we should, that what's coming up, sorry, in verse uh, 43, we should be, uh, chapter 43, we should be encouraged tonight, guys, because God says that the glory days aren't behind you, they're ahead of you. That's what it says in the text, that the good is that what's coming isn't comparable to what's past. That you can look at events and moments and high points and think that God is only in those. But God is telling you tonight, no, what's coming is even better. What's coming is even greater. It's beyond comparison. It's beyond compare. So we can forget the past tonight, folks. And how do we forget the past? We have to break the bronze serpent like Hezekiah did. We have to break the bronze serpent in our lives. We can't keep memorializing high points. They're a comfort to us, but we don't move forward. I don't know if you've ever been in a new city and you get lost. The first thing you do is find a monument where you can stand that is very familiar and everybody knows it. Uh, Usually for me, it's McDonald's. I stand by McDonald's because you'll always find me at McDonald's. There's safety around something familiar. God's telling us to move forward tonight. How do we break the bronze serpent? The text says that we are to forget the past. That word forget actually has two meanings. The first meaning is that we have to stop talking about it. We've got to stop talking about the glory days. That's the first application. If you want to break the bronze serpent, if you want to put down the past, you have to stop talking about it. Amen? You've got to stop lifting up those glory days. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 2, the glory days. Well, the church was never better than when it was in an upper room with 120 people. For some people, it's 1902, Azusa, the glory days. We got to go back there. For some others, it's 1517. It's the Reformation, the glory days. And we want to memorialize and lift up things that God did. And he's saying, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, there's more coming. There's something new. Stop talking about it. The next application The next meaning of that word forget is stop protecting it. Stop protecting it. Stop protecting it. In other words, stop rewriting the history. Stop rewriting history. Do you remember in Exodus 14 at the Red Sea crossing? The Bible says that they lifted up their eyes and they saw the Israelites, they saw the Egyptians coming and they turned to Moses and they started to blame the leader God had brought into their lives to bring them into better. 
they started to blame him. And they started to say, were there no graves in Egypt that you would bring us here to die? They started to tell Moses that they, they told him that they never wanted to leave Egypt, which wasn't even true. In other words, they were rewriting history because they were more afraid of the wilderness than they were of the Egyptians. They were more afraid of the risky freedom that God had given them than they were of the predictability of the slavery that they'd incurred in Egypt. Remember Numbers 11? And they're pining after the food in Egypt, pining after the comfort, even though it's slavery. Let's not memorialize the high places tonight, guys. Let's not rewrite history. God has done some great things, but as long as humans are involved, it's never perfect. Amen. It's never that perfect. Most, Job was talking about his footsteps being washed with cream. They weren't washed with cream, Job. They weren't. It wasn't as great as you're making it out to be. Everybody's generation is the best generation. Everybody's generation was when God moved, when I was this age, that's the generation. You know, I think we could bridge the generation gap if we would stop looking for the familiar in the new of what God is going to do. Just because it doesn't look like what you know, just like it, just because it doesn't work or just because God isn't doing it the way he did it in your age or time doesn't mean that he's not doing something new. Here's a principle. If you will look for the presence instead of the presentation, you won't reject what God is doing because of the packaging. Amen? Look for the presence I don't care what it looks like. Is it anointed? I don't care what it looks like. If you split it open, is Christ in the middle? Going to get an amen tonight. I'm going to stop talking about it, and I'm going to stop protecting it. So we, we got to put down the past tonight. The next thing I want to tell you that we have to do is embrace the process. And this, this excites me, folks. This excites me. The Bible says in verse 19, God says, I'm about to do something you see I've already begun do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Folks, that something new was the return to Zion. Forget about the moment, the events that was the Red Sea crossing. The new thing I'm excited about is a 110 year process where four waves of exiles returned to Judah. What's exciting me is a process. That's amazing. You know, Bill Gates said it this way. We overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. Let's bring that application into the realm of God. We overestimate sometimes what God will do visibly in our lives in a year, but we underestimate what he'll do in 10 years. Folks, victory isn't about highlights. Victory is about the moments between moments. Can I bring your attention to 1 Kings chapter 17? Elijah is in Israel. He's declared a drought to Ahab and Jezebel. And the Bible says, I think it's verse 4, he says, go to the brook. God says to Elijah, go to the brook Cherith. I have commanded the ravens to feed you. That's miraculous. That's, that's better than DoorDash. Ravens feeding you. Amazing. 
But a few verses later, the Bible says that the brook dried up. And then God says, go to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow to feed you. Folks, God will not be tied to methodology. He can work in the extraordinary ravens, and he can work in the everyday, a widow, or hallelujah. Oh, he's the God of more than just the extraordinary. He's a God of more than just the highlights. He can work through the ravens, and he can work through the widow. Some of us, for some of us, the brook has dried up, and we haven't left because we can't recognize that God is doing a new thing and he can work through the miraculous, but we're not ready to embrace the process that he can also work in the everyday. It's not all about, do you know, that's the point, folks. The new thing that God's so excited about is a process. The new thing that God is so thrilled about are the moments between moments. I'm not just the God of the extraordinary. I'm the God of the everyday. Hallelujah. And I love Jaira. His name is Jaira. Amen. His name is Jaira. He tells Elijah, I'm going to do it. I've commanded a raven. I've commanded a widow. Now that name Jaira, we say provider, it actually means God sees, or more, more specifically, God will see to it. So whether it's in the extraordinary or the everyday, God will see to it. Hallelujah. I got this. I got this. Don't predict. Try and predict my methodologies. Don't tie yourself to how I did it in a previous season. Instead, put your confidence in my character. Put your confidence in who I am, not how I do what I do. I'll do it because I'm Jaira. I will see to it. Amen. Can we embrace the idea of process tonight? Can we embrace it? Let me show you. Hundreds of years earlier, we're going to go back to Exodus chapter 23. And God, at this point, is promising the children of Israel. Through Joshua, he's making promises about the conquest of Canaan. He's bringing them in to something. And folks, what I love about the Bible is because it's timeless, it's always timely. There are principles in the scriptures that can help us today. They were written for a particular people at a particular time, but these principles work today. Amen. And so in Exodus chapter 23, God tells the children of Israel, I'm going to bring you in little by little process. I'm going to do it by process. Can I read to you tonight? Yes, you can, Patrick. I would love to hear. I would love to hear the scriptures. Exodus 23. God says this, see, I am sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and lead you safely to the place I have prepared for you. Uh, Verse 25, you must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, I will bless you with food and water, and I will protect you from illness. There will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land, and I will give you long lives. I will send my terror ahead of you and create panic among all the people whose lands you invade. I will make all of your enemies turn and run. I will send terror ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Cellulites. All right, you're, you're still here. You're following me. Okay. But I will not drive them out in a single year. Listen, folks. 
because the land would become desolate and the wild animals would multiply and threaten you. I will drive them out a little at a time until your population has increased enough to take possession of the land. I'm going to skip back up to verse 24. There's a reason why I'm reading it in this order. You must not worship the gods of those, these nations or serve them in any way or imitate their evil practices. Instead, you must utterly destroy them and smash their sacred pillars. Make no treaties with them, verse 32 says, or their gods. They must not live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me. If you serve their gods, you will be caught in the trap of idolatry. Amen. God will see to it in the everyday. Can I give you four Ps to process tonight? Amen. The first thing God says in verse 20 is, I'll be with you. I'm going to send my angel to be with you. And the scriptures say that he's going to protect you and lead you safely to the place I've prepared for you. In other words, he's going to lose none. God is speaking and... Uh, of course, of his angel. That's the angel of the Lord. It's Jesus. Hallelujah. So the first thing you need to know about the process, about the everyday, about the moments between moments, is that Jesus will be with you to lead you, to protect you, to bring you safely to an expected end. Hallelujah. You get his presence in process in the everyday. That means you're not abandoned, even if you feel like you are. The second P is provision. The verse says in verse 25, it says uh, that God will bless with food and water, that he'll protect from illness, that there'll be no miscarriages or infertility. And it says in the NLT, I'll give long, full lives. In the ESV, it says, I will fulfill all your years. In other words, God is saying, I'll provide for you and I'll bring you into an abundant life. I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to bring you into abundance. So I'm not just giving you my presence. I'm giving you provision. I'm giving you provision as well. Hallelujah. In the everyday. In the every, see, we think that because God isn't doing something tangible, he's not doing anything. We think that because we can't see him in the everyday, that he's not doing anything. But here in the text, God is laying out for us. Don't get this wrong. I am busy at work in the everyday. I'm busy in the process. And then the next P, it's not just a, a presence. It's not just provision. It's power. And I love this, folks. He says in verse 27, I'm going to send my terror ahead of you and create panic. In other words, God says, I'm going to go ahead of you and I'm going to deal with the things in your life you have no power to deal with on your own. I will fight the enemies, the things that are occupying the things I'm bringing you into. I will deal with them because you have no power to. That anxiety is too big for you. That depression is too big for you. Those fears and insecurities are too big for you. So God says in the process, in the everyday, I will go ahead of you and I will deal with what you can't deal with on your own. Hallelujah tonight. Can we give God glory? He's gone ahead to deal with what we can't deal with by ourselves. Let me show you. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 6 verse 1, 
They're standing, having just crossed the Jordan. Miraculously, God separates the seas. Miraculously, they're standing in front of Jericho, a high-walled city, impregnable. And this is what the verse say. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went in or out. Sorry, no one went out and no one came in. That's what they're seeing in front of them. And verse 2, And the Lord said to Joshua, Behold, I've delivered Jericho into your hand, along with its king and the mighty man of valor. In other words, I have already given you the victory over this thing in your life. Your anxiety may feel like a high-walled city. It may seem like a stronghold. But I've already given you the victory. In the spiritual the things, the, 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 the forces behind what you're dealing with, I've already dealt with. And the children of Israel are then told that they need to walk around Jericho six times. Once a day for six days. What? And then seven times on the seventh day. And then give a big shout and the walls will fall. In other words, they have to submit to a process. God has submit to a process. Think about this. They have just watched God split the sea, split the Jordan, push it up all the way back to Adam. They've just seen God move miraculously in an event. Listen, I don't know about you, but splitting the red, the splitting the Red Sea and then splitting the Jordan, that's a highlight. That's a highlight. And now God is saying, I don't want you, I want you to forget about what I just did to the Jordan. Like I, wanted, like I want you to forget about what I did at the Red Sea. Because I want you to submit to a process right now. It's time for a process. And can I get an amen? Most of the time, the process looks like us walking around in circles around a problem that we don't seem to be able, that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Amen. Is that what the, the, the moments between the moments look like for you as well? Walking around in circles around a problem that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Can I tell you tonight, you have the victory though. You have the victory. And so the children of Israel submitted to the process and moment by moment God gave them something not straight away, but it was there. How many of us have backed away from a victory that is ours in the spiritual because we couldn't surrender to the process of every day? Because we couldn't say, yes, Lord, you are still with me to see to it in the every day. It doesn't have to be fireworks all the time. So the Bible says they came into a victory by process. By process. You know, I, I have uh, children. I can't stand up this pulpit without talking about them, it seems. I have children. And, uh, sorry, just one second here, guys. Yeah, almost. I'm going to get to the children. But we're, we're not done. I got, I got a question to ask. <laughs> I'm going to get there. I got a question to ask tonight. Why the process? Okay. So we've got the three Ps. Why the process? Why this way, Lord? Well, the Bible says in verse 29 in Exodus, God says, because the land will become desolate if I give it to you straight away. 
and the wild animals will overtake you. I want you to think about this tonight. What is the land becoming desolate? What does it mean? It basically means, you can check the commentaries, that you won't be able to cultivate or to keep the land. In other words, you don't yet have the capacity to deal with what I want to give you. And the wild animals will overtake you. In other words, there is a, a wild nature that will overrun you until you get the character enough to live above it. So what's God saying? Why the process? Because I want to grow your capacity and your character so you can receive what I want to give you. That's why the process. Amen. And there's one more P. We're nearly done. The last P is participation, as in from you and me. What did God say to the children of Israel? He said, I don't want you to make a treaty with the people in the land or with the gods of the land. I don't want you to agree or settle with what I have told you I'm going to fully remove out of your life. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight, church? That's what God was saying to them. Don't agree to live with what I have told you I'm going to fully remove. How many of us are justifying things in our lives that God has said in his word he's going to remove? How many of us are just saying it's my wiring or it's my family or it's my genetics or it's just a Tuesday morning, you know how I get. And God is saying, no, I want to remove that anger totally. I want to remove that insecurity totally. I want to take that anxiety out totally. And so our participation in the process is to not agree with what God has said he wants to fully remove, to not make a treaty with what God has said he wants to fully take away. My children then, Jackson and Georgia, tough leaving them tonight, I won't lie to you. I just wanted to hang out with them. I love you. You're wonderful. But I wanted to be with them tonight. <laughs> or, or just being honest. Being, being honest. So uh, here's what I want to say. And this is what the Lord, I believe, wants to communicate to us tonight. He derives more joy in being present in the everyday, like an earthly father, than he does just showing up at the highlights. I have more joy being with my children every day, even though because I'm with them every day, their growth seems imperceptible. I can't see them grow. They can maybe see me grow. I had a lot of pizza last night. <laughs> right, Isaac? We had a lot of pizza last night. <laughs> but it's better than just showing up when they graduate from school, when they get married. You see, God loves the process because he loves to be with you as you grow. It might seem imperceptible to you, but look at what he's promised us. Look at what he's willing to do. Look at what he's willing to give. So be encouraged tonight. And this is what I want you to do by faith as we close. So I want you to do by, by faith. You need to look ahead. Look ahead. He's not absent in the everyday. He's just up ahead. He's just up ahead, dealing with the things that would otherwise deal with you, allowing your capacity and character to grow so he can give you the things he wants you 
to have. He is up ahead. I think it's Psalm 77. It talks about how when the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea, they walked, they walked or they followed his invisible footsteps. You and I, we're simply walking where he's trodden before. I've gone ahead of you so that you can grow and so that you can have all that I want to give you. But it's moment by moment, minute by minute, because he's not just the God of the highlights. He's the God of the everyday. Folks, he's going to do it again, but it's not going to look the way it did before. It's not. He's the God of the extraordinary. He's the God of the everyday. He's the God of the big moments and the moments in between. He's the God of the miracles and he's the God of the mundane. Either way, he's going to see to it. Bronze serpents or manna, he's going to see to it. Can we stand tonight and pray? Who am I speaking to tonight? Maybe you're in a position of discouragement, or maybe you were coming in. God, you're not moving the way I've seen you move in the past. And I've lost sight of you, and, and I've lost sight of my way. I've become discouraged. When I couldn't predict your moves, I stopped going forward. Is that you tonight? Is it? Well, are you ready to stop memorializing and looking for the events and the moments and accept and embrace the process. There's two things that you need to break. The first thing you need to break is the bronze serpent. You need to break. You need to step away from the past. You need to put it down. You need to celebrate it. Thank you for what you did, Lord. And then you need to release it. Let it go. Hold it loosely. And the second thing you need to break is a treaty. Because some of us here have made treaties with what God has said he wants to fully remove. So I'd like to just pray, if that's you tonight, whether you need to break that serpent or break that treaty, God is able and God wants you to embrace the process. God is more excited about the everyday than about the highlight reel in our lives. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Are you ready? Will you close your eyes? Lift your hands to heaven if that's you tonight. And you're ready to say, Lord, I have been, I have been memorializing those glory days. Lord Jesus, and, and I've, because I can't see the familiar, I've stopped moving forward. Lord, I'm resisting the process. Oh, Lord, if that's, if that's Lord Jesus for all those people tonight, Lord, whoever that is, Lord, I pray that you would give them the grace to see that the glory days are ahead. The glory days lie ahead. You're doing a new thing and it doesn't compare to the highlight reel of yesterday. Give us the grace to stop talking about it. Lord Jesus, sometimes it's not just the highlights, but it's the lowlights as well. It's not just all the great things, but it's the difficult things. And Lord, some of us are trapped as much by failure as we are by victory, Lord, in the past. Either way, there's still time on the clock. Lord, help us to stop talking about it. And Lord, help us to stop protecting it, Lord. We will not rewrite history no, nothing is perfect. No one is perfect except you. 
you were the only perfect constant thing in our lives. No season was, was shrouded in glory except for the glory of your presence. Lord, I'm letting go of that way of seeing past times. I will choose today to believe by faith that there is more ahead than there is behind. There is more ahead. Glory days ahead in Jesus' name. And Lord, I want to pray for those people who have a treaty to break as well. Some of us, Lord, have been in this position for so long, memorializing for so long, that we've made treaties with the things you have said you want to fully remove out of our lives. Lord, that anxiety is no place in Jesus' name. That fear has no place in Jesus' name. That insecurity has no place in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. We will not make treaties. We will trust and agree with your word and not that thing that right now seems like a high-walled city. You have given us the victory, the kings and the mighty men of valor. It's going to fall because it's already fallen spiritually. It's got no authority because I'm under new management in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So we break those treaties in Jesus' name and we break those bronze serpents in Jesus' name and we step into the new in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Folks, let me say this as I close for real this time. You know, there's more than a step in a step. There's more than a step to a step. A step has two phases. There's a stance phase where you plant your weight down and you don't move. And there's a swing phase where you swing forward and step into the future. In other words, those moments are made of steps and those steps are made of moments of activity and inactivity. Times where it seems like everything is happening and times where it seems like nothing is happening. But in those times, remember who's ahead. Amen. When nothing is happening, remember who's ahead. When everything is happening, just lift up the name of Jesus and serve with an open heart. And God is going to bring you into the new, little by little, step by step, moment by moment, year by year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.